Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. What's going down? Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of What's Going Down here on uh, Patreon ad-free or wherever you get your podcasts with those pesky ads. My name is Kenny McIntosh and I'm joined as I am every week on this podcast without fail, never a stand-in uh, host for the one and only Mr. Finley Martin. Finn, nobody could fill your shoes on this podcast. <laughs> That's it. Phoning in sick, we don't do that here. No, we don't. We, we don't. we don't do angles, which seems to be what KJ and... Ollie are doing at the moment. I don't even know what the angle is, but they're, they're, they're doing one. They're, they're doing pro- an angle, is that right? Well, there was a thing in the Facebook community that KJ is going to have a co-host of some kind, which probably means they're taking a week off, you know? So <laughs> uh, I know KJ listens, so he'll be, his ear will be intent on that. But um, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe they're digging up that old Disco Inferno proposal, you know, when he said <laughs> they wanted to wrestle the Invisible Man. Maybe we're going to do the podcast with an invisible co-host. <laughs> well, I'm saying nothing, Finn. I'm, I'm going to, my mum my always said, if you don't have anything nice to say, say nothing at all. To which now I say, well, how do you deal with that in a weekly podcast? We have to talk about the Young Bucks. Exactly. But... People used to write that into Power Slam. Actually, superstars of wrestling. People uh-huh. used to write that, write, write, to, write, use those very words to me. You know, my mum always says, my nan always said. Well, I'm putting out a wrestling magazine here. What am I supposed to be doing? I've got to point out when something's good and when it's not. Yeah, I think it's a good it's a good rule in life, you know. Because I was I was it's funny I was talking to somebody yesterday about this. Like I I really try in life generally. I try to be really polite and nice to people as a general rule, right? That is my go to because I don't like when people are not nice to me. So I always like to try and be polite and try and be courteous and all that kind of stuff. But as soon as you are you know the opposite to me then i just you know then then i'm just like well, i don't give a fuck anymore what you what you're all about but it, as the first rule i like to try and be kind but you know if you're covered in wrestling you know we're gluttons for punishment at the best of times so we've got to at least be able to say when something's good or bad exactly otherwise what is the point what is the point of us I know, well, that the existential question can be answered another day, Finn. But um, before we dive into... I, I, sorry, Kenny, but I've, I've ne- one day, one day I'm going to say, probably been the last interview I ever do right. for any publication or anything, right? 
And I want to use the question, you know, if somebody who's like screwed up or got things wrong or is just a waste of space, I want to ask the question, what is the point of you? One day I'm going to ask someone that question. And at that point, probably they'll leave the Zoom meeting as well. Maybe we get Big Vince back. You can uh, talk to him about it. Um, well, you know, it's funny because every every Thursday when we do Power Slam, we tend to talk about you know the, the big stuff from Dynamite the night before. And then on this one, we tend to talk about Raw and SmackDown. But what happened? Well, obviously, there's been some big news, and I feel like we should just talk about it now because by Thursday, it could be old news or it could be changed or whatever. So basically, the CM Punk news has escalated yet again, Finn, where Warner Brothers media have been told that he is returning to AEW. There is a meeting scheduled. There have been various reports from the usual people who make these reports um, that CM Punk will be having a meeting with that will also involve Tony Khan, Chris Jericho, and FTR, and that Jericho is likely to be Punk's return opponent and feud when he comes back. And this ties in with the new AEW TV show, which is uh, reported to be a two-hour Saturday night show weekly. <laughs> Where there will be a brand split, basically, for right. AEW, where there will be one brand that typically does a Saturday night, which will involve CM Punk and, I guess, Chris Jericho. There will be, you know, the, the Dynamite brand, which will have the Elite. Um, and that's kind of the working idea. We don't really know how soft or hard the brand split is going to be, but that seems to be the, the direction of travel. So while two hours of extra programming on our laps each week is not something that any of us are looking for to add to our schedule, um, you know, WWE are doing the draft. They're going to try and make that matter again. We have complained that AEW have far too many people. So could this idea of having two separate shows and be a good thing for them? And Punk coming back and sort of being on in a separate playing field from the elite, that's caused a lot of people who are, you know, very... Uh, positive about that and then also people say that's that's a disaster waiting to happen having them separated. What do you think about the 25 things I've just thrown at you there? Um, I don't think and I know they've been talking about this for a while that AEW is going to add a new TV show. I mean the idea of them doing another two hour show, so that's going to be five hours weekly of TV. I mean, I, I, Actually I, on broadcast TV, never mind the YouTube shows, right? Yeah, well, the YouTube shows have basically, I mean, they've not gone away, but they're now like 25 minute episodes. So I think they're, I think they're going to be a goner at this point. Like, and then, I mean, Rampage, this will pretty much be the death nail to Rampage. Just, I would say, yeah. It's, you know, nobody's, I mean, it's like if W, you know, I'm sure if, if, if one of us were to, and I don't think Rampage is as bad as this. So I'm, I'm, I'm being facetious, but like, I'm sure there's decent stuff on main event. The yeah, there was a Tyler Bate match, actually. It wasn't there um, recently that was really good. Yeah, but, like, who's got time to get down to main event? You know, that I mean, there's so much going on. So yeah. I feel like, you know, for me, I tend to watch Dynamite every week. Well, I, no, I do watch Dynamite every week because I cover it. I tend to watch clips of Rampage if I need to because there doesn't tend to be that much that I need to see. But I think if this new show comes in, for me, you know, okay, I've got Dynamite and then I've got the Saturday show. Rampage is going to be cut completely. Like, there's just no, there's no way that I don't know how people would have time to add that in if you want to have a life. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's to me, it's too much product. It's too much. It's just too much. And it's like, we don't need another two hour show each week from AEW. And it's like, yeah, they've got loads of talent, but lots of the talent don't matter. You know, and I'll, after this many years, lots of those people who don't matter will never matter. I mean, who's ever going to care about the Butcher and the Blade, Kenny? You know, Matt Hardy, you know, Ethan Page, Big Bill, Lee Moriarty, all these guys, they're never going to matter. Maybe Matt will when he teams up with Jeff for nostalgia purposes. But Matt's, you know, in the late evening of his career, as is obvious each time. Each time you see him perform, <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not sure who the stars they, who are the stars that are going to carry this two-hour show. I mean, once again, they were under 900,000 viewers this week. Was it 860 or eight something or other, wasn't it? Yep. For Dynamite, mm-hmm. so it's not like their audience is growing. The audience is, I'm not saying it's shrinking, um, 
because they have been lower than they were last Wednesday. But I don't feel like there's a huge appetite for more AEW programming each week. They've got the All Access show. I know that's only six episodes, but it's yet more AEW content. Obviously, they're doing the Forbidden Door show. and They're doing the Wembley show, which is clearly going to be filmed and broadcast somewhere. So, I mean, it just seems to be overkill to me. I just think they're doing too much. I just don't think they've got the creative energy. I don't think they've got the ideas. I mean, I mean, the only way this could work is if Tony Khan brought some new people in to help him um, with the creative end of the product. He desperately needs help in that department and has done for a very long time. So, I mean, the first week, oh, yeah, it'll be Bonanza, it'll be bonanza time because everyone will tune in to check it out. And if CM Punk does return on the show, then, yeah, there will be interest in him, you know, at least initially. We've seen Jericho versus Punk 10 years ago. It really wasn't that good then. And they're bringing it back in 2023. I mean, it's like, okay, if it's a one-match program, but who wants to see a series of matches between these two? I don't. So I just... It's to me, it just seems rash. It just seems poorly thought out by all involved. I don't see how they're going to maintain ratings over the long haul. At first, they probably will, and there'll be interest in a brand split, and things will be different. So, there will be a novelty factor to that. But I don't see how they're going to be able to maintain this over the long haul. I think it's just too much product and it's too much work for all involved. I mean, when your right hand man is QT Marshall. You know, you, yeah. you, need to, you need to get a new right hand man. Is the because like what? Wait, I mean, and I don't mean this that badly. What? Where is QT Marshall booked successfully? I don't know. Like, what is the experience that he has? So, because that's the problem, right? If Tony Khan is gonna, I don't blame Tony Khan because if you're Tony Khan, you you don't really want to hand anything off unless it's someone you really trust. And QT is not that guy. He might be good at helping out on you know the YouTube shows and stuff, but you know. Let's remember that Q- QT and who and whoever Tony Khan has got now, they were also the people who Tony Khan did leave them to, and then that acclaimed rap happened. So then he was like, "Oh, well, I, now I can't even, you know, let let Dark be left alone because somebody might put a a rap in that kind of is really tasteless, and then ends up yeah. getting taken out of context." Um, I think the one th- the thing the Saturday Night Show, I think, I mean, obviously Warner Brothers must have said they want to do this. They must be happy enough with whatever yeah. the numbers are to say yeah. we, we want to give you this, or we, or you know, we want you to do to do this. I think because CM Punk is he was a mover in terms of ratings and pay per view buys. Yes. I think having him on that show rather than the Wednesday show is probably smart of where to put him. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they have like if the if the Wednesday night brand is more of the kind of high fly stunt type stuff and then the Saturday show is like the you know realism show if that makes it like maybe that's how they they balance it out but um I mean the thing is CM Punk and the Elite are going to have to see each other at pay-per-views you know and also like yeah. I, I I know I said this last week your EVPs deal with it just deal with the fact that he's you don't need to work with him you know if Tony Khan's basically if if he's bent over backwards for them to the extent that they do not have to work with them, then they don't really have a leg to stand on. You know, it's like how many times have you worked? Well, it's different because you ran you you ran your own business for like thirty years, but you know we've all worked somewhere where there's somebody in our work we just don't like. Or oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know I did normal jobs before I started working for myself, and you know <laughs> I've worked for companies. And with companies during this period of when I've been self-employed and before that, it's, yeah, I worked with some people I really didn't like at all. But you've just got to get on with it, haven't you? And, and I, know the, I know the punk the punk thing is different because there was a fight, right? But we yes. all we know is there was a fight. We do not know the order of what happened. We don't know, you know, so people who are on a certain side are going to tell you that side story of what happened. But, I mean, I was thinking of this, um, I just thought I'd quickly ask you about it. Can you imagine what people on Twitter would do? The meltdowns they would have if they had to deal with Shawn Michaels in 1997. <laughs> I mean, there are there are literal people online who are like, 
CM Punk should never be allowed to wrestle again. Shawn Michaels is my best of all time. You're like, well, yeah. wait a minute. You can't. He was literally in backstage fights or we or 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 issues on a weekly basis. Yes. In 1997. Like yeah, this. Oh, yeah. So how? I mean, this it's wrestling. This stuff does happen. And if you want to be angry at somebody, the person you need to be angry at is Tony Khan because he let it get to the point where that happened. Exactly. He was the one who didn't shut it down. He should have been there with, you know, just putting the fire out when it just started with the original Hangman page going into business for himself promo. Mm-hmm. He dealt with that at the time. I mean, everyone agrees on this, don't they? Even, you know, people, you know, who think Tony Khan walks on water. You know, they say, Tony, you should have dealt with that at the time. And had you done so, it would not or possibly would not have escalated into the problem that it became. And now you're going to have to do a brand split and put these people on different shows when as soon as Punk returns, everyone is going to want to see Punk and the Elite interact and they will have to deliver this match. I don't, I've said before, I'm not interested in the match, but they will have to deliver it because people will demand it. It just will. <laughs> And to me, if you're doing a two-hour show on Wednesday at the moment, yeah, Rampage is missable for a lot of people. I I try to make a point of watching it. I'm actually some weeks behind on it, but I do, I, I do, I have watched every episode of Rampage up until a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and um, a lot of weeks it's missable. I understand why people can't find time in their weekly schedules to watch it. Dynamite to me feels like a much bigger show, and that's reflected in the ratings. But once you've got a two-hour show on Saturday with some stars, and then you've got a two-hour show on Wednesday with some stars instead of all the stars, where does MGF go? Then your numbers are going to go down for Dynamite. They're just going to. It's inevitable. So I think you're going to end up with shows that are both going to draw about 700,000 viewers. And maybe, you know, Warner's happy with that. But... I know to me, it just feels like you're taking on all this extra work. It's going to be a load more expense. Just think of the expenses involved, Kenny, because obviously these shows, uh, they're going to be both going to be live, right? Uh, They've they've booked, they've definitely booked a Saturday taping or a Saturday television event on, I think it's the 15th of July in Regina in Canada. Okay. So, I mean, that seems to indicate uh, yeah, July 15th. So that seems to indicate that there will be live Saturday night events. So they will go out. So so you've got to imagine they'll have two shows a week, Wednesday and Saturday, which is weird because I would have thought you would tape them on a Thursday. So you would just have the one crew doing two nights in a row and then you could have the rest of the week off. But that's why SmackDown used to be taped on a Tuesday, right? Yes. You know, Raw on a Monday, SmackDown on a Tuesday, you know, rather than having Raw on a Monday and then there's two off days and then SmackDown. So yeah. is the crew going to be happy about that, if that's the case? I, I think long-term it will end up being taped on a Thursday because that seems to make the most sense. Yes. But then also the, the, the other element is WWE now runs Saturday pay-per-views. Um, AEW run one Saturday pay-per-view a year, which is full gear, I think, because they don't want to run against the football. I think that's the reason. Okay. Um, or the NBA. So and being like, my last kind of dig at the elite here, which and I, I just I think it's valid. Tony Khan is going to all this trouble or all this all that you know he's really working hard to make sure that Punk is back, that everyone's happy, like he's doing everything he can. Yeah, he's putting him on a separate show. You I mean, it's an act of appeasement, isn't it? Yeah, he's like, doing like, no, he can. you don't have to apologize. You don't have to compromise. You don't have to do these things you don't want to do. We're just going to give you everything you want. And what are you doing there? You know, you're creating more problems for yourself, aren't you, in the future? Yes. Because you communicate the message to the talent that the talent, you know, I was talking about last week, rules and boundaries. It's like, well, you can just behave how you want and I'll just appease you. Because the thing know, is, if, make it work for you. If Punk, I mean, Punk, by all the reports, wants to work with the elite or is open to working with the elite, he's not saying no, they're saying no. Which, again, if they were purely talent, understandable. But they're not. They're executive vice presidents of the company. So, I mean, look at the people that Vince has brought back. Like, people who took him, who sued him 
for million. I'm just watching in retro. He brought Sable back. She tried to sue him for seventeen million dollars. Exactly. I thought I thought it was more than that, but I mean, it was with that lawsuit she filed in '99. Yeah, and uh, yeah, she came back. I mean, Warrior came back. I mean, look at the bust ups with Hogan. I mean, he ended up putting Savage in the Hall of Fame, and that was after he died. But he put Savage in the Hall of Fame, and yeah. just like, I mean, Bruno. They managed to patch that up, which was the one I always um, quote as the one that just you know, if if you know, if he can make amends with Bruno and Warrior, then he could make amends with almost anyone. The person he's never made amends with, of course, is uh, Demolition uh, Billy D. Demolition Axe. Never made amends with him. <laughs> But I mean, yeah, it's well. Actually, the other guy, of course, was Nails. We know he's, he was never going to make amends with him. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I mean, yeah. but I mean, the thing is, it's like again, I'm not saying that if I was the elite, I wouldn't just not ever want to see Phil Brooks ever again. I get it, like I totally understand it. But you know, we're not at a point where Tony can and Jericho to give him credit is very smart here again because he's going to do the meeting with Punk. He's going to be seen to be the bigger person who is working with Punk, and that gives him a level of sort of control at the top of the card. You know, that's how people play the game in wrestling. You know, not just kind of go, and and you know, Jericho's not a, an executive or a president. Then he's just you know, um, the biggest fan of himself. But um, <laughs> you know, he's he's being very clever in this. So you know, it will be. But yeah, so there's a there's a dynamite. On May twenty first in Chicago, okay, which um or in in May in Chicago, which is going to be the return of CM Punk, by all accounts. So let me okay. see what this is. A time in Chicago, uh, no June twenty first. So it might be the June, yeah, the June twenty first Dynamite is when everyone is reporting that will be Punk's return. So okay, we'll see. Anyway, let's move on to SmackDown. This past week, the big news, Finn, the return of Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, obviously, you know, with a performance like this against Madcap Moss, surely he will be headlining SummerSlam against Roman Reigns. 90-second match. Um, Madcap Moss is now a heel. He received a pep talk beforehand from Emma, who's trying to lead him astray. You're better than Nakamura. And then Magcamp went out and did the job in 90 seconds in a total nothing match. There was just, I mean, there was not much response. There was afterwards. I think people were just happy the match was over. I mean, I realized it was Nakamura's first match since January, but um, he looked really rusty. And yeah, it was probably the low point of the show, really, Kenny, in my opinion. Yeah, it's just, you know, I mean, SmackDown had some really good stuff on it, but, you know, Nakamura, again, still feels like he means nothing. Um, They had Xavier Woods beating LA Knight, which I just can't understand why you would do that. And then Xavier Woods does this promo backstage where he's got his trombone with Imperium. Yeah. And he and he's, you know, basically sort of saying he wants to win the IC title. And, you know, he's, he's called, called himself the hottest free agent heading into the draft. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> there's hyping yourself up and there's delusion. I mean, but, that's a, that's the sort of thing Chris Jericho would say. Yeah, you know, at least fact, Chris Jericho probably was the first one in history ever to say that that phrase to use those words. You know, he's just you know basically created everything, didn't he, Jericho? He had, well, he has. He created water and earth, but um, but at least Jericho is a headliner. At least he can use that kind of Xavier Woods is so but at the end of the segment I turned to Steve Gunn half and I said it feels like Xavier Woods has been in WWE for 25 years yeah it does feel like he's been there a long time it just feels like you know Xavier Woods Nakamura like the time has passed you know we're, well, we're... I'm not Woods to his credit Woods and Kingston I thought as NXT tag team champions they did a really good job there and they dropped the belts to Gallus mm-hmm. and I thought was a really good little run for them. And I thought they brought a lot of value to NXT. And as I wrote in the last issue of Inside the Ropes magazine, that was actually my um, proposal for Nakamura. You know, go back to NXT and put someone over. I don't see any value at all for for him or from him um, on the main roster because he's been there since 2017, I think it was, they called him up. Yeah. And um 
he just he's done everything he's ever going to do is everything that he's done previously even when it was really mediocre was better than anything he's going to do in future he's like 43 you can see that he's got used to the good life and he's got used to taking it easy in the ring you know people have this fantasy that the nakamura of new japan pro wrestling is going to resurface no he isn't not in wwe and I don't know whether that Nakamura still exists at the age of 43. I don't know whether he want to do those matches again. Maybe he could, but, I mean, that would be very challenging for him. And he's not going to do that on the main roster because if he was going to, he would have done it against AJ Styles after he won the Royal Rumble back in mm-hmm. 18, wouldn't he? So, I mean, that was the reason why people were so disappointed with that match because they still remembered the match they'd had in New Japan. And then they have the rematch in WWE at WrestleMania. And it was kind of average wasn't it it just did not erupt so um you know but yeah nakamura i just and woods i mean i actually thought i think woods has actually still got it i think he's still a really good talent in the ring the match against knight i actually thought it was a really simple match real slow builder uh, fans were so into everything they did um and knight held the tights on a pinfall the referee saw it, refused to count three, and then Woods rolled up Knight, held the tights, referee didn't see it, and Knight was pinned, and basically the heel uh, got a taste of his own medicine, and then afterwards Woods turned up as in, as Gunter and Imperium were talking and played the trombone, and Gunter said that uh, Woods was a goof and he beat respect into him. And then that led to this challenge and they're going to have a match. Now, it wouldn't surprise me, Kenny, if Knight was involved in that. I'm not that, you know, the IC champion needs help to defeat Xavier Woods. Um, mm-hmm. But I know what you mean about uh, Knight losing to Woods. But the way it was laid out, I think Knight is... Because he did lose to him. He did also lose to... Uh... Ellie Knight also lost to Xavier Woods in 2 minutes and 19 seconds on the 17th of March episode of SmackDown. Right, so okay. It's, I, mean, I think when you've got that battle royal where people were so into him in LA, yeah. it's like, this guy is new, he's interesting, people like him, and he's getting beat by this guy who's been around forever. And it just feels like the, you know, you could get so much more at a night if he was doing more than sort of you know, he's got to do all this stuff just to beat Xavier Woods eventually. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, yeah, I just think there's a kind of when you've got somebody who gets really over, then just capitalize on it. I, I agree totally. Um, the thing with Knight is he needs some wins, he needs to do something that allows people to believe in him. And if he suffers many more losses, then people will just chalk him up as another failure that the company doesn't really care about and they will lose interest in him. And Knight, the reason he's over is basically because he interacts with the audience and people like him and they recognize that he's got, you know, really believable style. He knows how to put a match together. He's got the charisma. So, yeah, I mean, I'll be really annoyed if they screw it up with this guy. You know, I want to believe they got a plan, but there again, I said that about Mustafa Ali, didn't I, Kenny? (laughs) I mean, I think with this one, though, this is, you know, Mustafa Ali was someone who you enjoyed. You thought, oh, there's something there. But with LA Knight, you know, everybody can see it. It yeah. is there. Like, the guy the night before WrestleMania, night one, was getting a massive reaction. He had a good performance. He got into the final four. And, like, he should not need he – should, well, he shouldn't be losing multiple times to Xavier Woods. No, he shouldn't. Based on how Xavier Woods is presented on SmackDown. Um, yeah. I mean, happily, we've got the we've got the draft coming up. They've announced the dates of it. It's going to be it's going to start on the twenty eighth of April edition of SmackDown, and then the May first edition of Raw. That's it. So, I mean, if he's still losing after that, and if he's, you know, if he ends up being traded in the supplemental draft, then he's <laughs> in trouble. Um, but you know, I don't want to. Perhaps you can't read too much into what's going on at the moment. Because we know that things are going to change, at least for some people. It'd be interesting we, to see which people they change, which people things change for. For some people, it will make no difference because the draft doesn't make any difference to some people. Well, we'll keep an eye on it, of course. Um, we opened SmackDown with the uh, with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn coming out. Um, they're doing a promo. They get interrupted by the Usos and Solo Sokoa. It all leads to 
you know, the, the Usos want uh, the, the, it leads to kind of back and forth barbs to each other. And then as the Usos and Solo Sikor are about to get involved, Matt Riddle shows up. He starts fighting with Solo. Owens is in a fight with the Usos. And we get a big fight. Obviously, the six-man tag is going to be uh, happening at uh, Backlash. Backlash. Find out from Adam Pearce that Riddle and Sikor are going to be the, the main event at the show. Um, and then we find out before the main event from Paul Heyman that the Usos um, will be uh, getting their... Uh, tag team title rematch uh, two uh, two weeks in Corpus Christi, which will be the night of the draft. Yes, um, and uh, and then and that led us to Solo and Matt Riddle, who had a really good match, a lot of heat to it. Um, Solo won with a spike, and then we got a big fight towards the end with the Usos and uh, Solo Sikor uh, pushing the announcers table on top of Riddle, and then Zayn and Owens pulling it off. And uh, the Usos and Solo Score kind of standing off with them. So there's a lot of kind of progression of the, the, the these six guys and what they're happening. I have a bad feeling that I think the Usos are going to regain the tag team titles. At really? On the 28th? Mm. Only because, um, well, two reasons. Number one, Kevin Owens was advertised for the UK tour. And I believe he's no longer on that tour. And then they've changed the Saudi show on May 27th from King Clear the Ring to Night of Champions. Where oh. uh, we assume most titles will be defended. Now, they, they don't have to defend every title. But, um, yeah, I just have a bad feeling. And I think it would be a mistake because Owens and Zayn as champ are kind of booked like they're not as good as they were before they won the titles at the moment. So I would like to see them not just have like a you know, three and a half week reign, but we'll see. What did you make of all the progression on the show here with the, the bloodline and Riddle and Owens and Zane? Well, that's disappointing about the king and queen of the ring. I did like a little thing on that in the latest issue. I know, I know. Oh, well, it was right at time of a time of going to press. <laughs> well, you, you can't help if they change the name of something out of the blue. Yeah, well, the story, what I actually wrote is still solid, um, or at least it, it was at the time of writing. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, Sorry to I mean, throw you off the set. I've thrown you off your game there, friend. Sorry about that. Yeah, well, stuff like that does annoy me uh, when they do that. But you know, they do do these things occasionally, as we know. Um, I yeah, enjoyed the the opening um, segment um, with Sammy and Kevin Owens and talking about closing the show mania, saying that they knew that Jimmy and Jay would soon be on their trail, and sure enough, they came out and. Um, you know, the usual said uh, Zayn and Owens would crack under the pressure of being champs. And then Zayn pointed out that uh, Jimmy and Jay uh, bloodline was falling apart. And that led to some aggro. And Matt Riddle came out to uh, help uh, Owens and Zayn against uh, Jimmy and Jay and Solo. And then that, of course, as you said, led to the main event announced by Adam Pierce. Um, I mean, this was a big win for Solo, wasn't it? I mean, he yeah. scored this pin, and then he and then he scored another pin on Raw, didn't he, over Rey Mysterio? Yeah, they're they're positioning him very high, and he's also, I've said this before, but his facial expressions are really good. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot; we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And he sort of gives away, you know, like... There's because when Sami Zayn said, you know, in the opening promo, he said, you know, Jay, you're. Re- I wish I could be as good at anything as you are, but lying to yourself, you know, Solo was ready to take you out last week. And when the camera cuts to Solo, he was doing a face that could both mean 
he's annoyed by what Sammy's saying or he was going to take Jay out and you can't work it out. And that's, there's a lot of people in wrestling who've been doing it for 25 years who couldn't pull that off. So he deserves some yeah. credit for how good he is at kind of nailing down those, because he's got to do facial expressions that can't give away what he's going to do, but also make you wonder what he's going to do. And yeah, that's... It, it, the, the, the temptation for lots of people into re- in wrestling is to overplay it or overreact to it, and he kind of underplays it. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's why it works. And also another thing on the show from Solo that uh, I thought was very effective, backstage Paul Heyman was giving uh, Solo this pep talk and he was just banging on and then Solo just very calmly stopped him. And like Paul Heyman was like, oh no, Solo <laughs> just stopped me in mid-flow here. And uh, Solo said to Heyman, tell the tribal chief I've got this. Just said it very quietly. You know, and uh, Heyman was just like, you know, okay. And there was this real quiet menace to him, isn't there? Yeah. I think that's his strength. Um, And I am interested to see where it all goes for Solo, because I think there's going to be a big change for him. And as I said, I think it was last week we were talking about him. He's very likable as a baby face. And I think there's a lot of mileage in him opposing Roman Reigns. And Jimmy and Jay, and that that is a big program in itself. And it feels like obviously he wouldn't be scoring all these wins if they didn't have big plans for him. I yeah. mean, it's just, that stands to reason, doesn't it? Um, so yes, yeah, Solo scored the win. Obviously, there was loads of commotion at ringside before the finish. It was the Samoan spike, and then afterwards, uh, Sokoa uh, nailed Riddle with the. Um, what did he nail him with? Not Sammy's big. Um, what, what's his finisher called? The, the Samoan spike. Well, no, no, sorry. When he he went like a urinagi, didn't he, on the table? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember the, what that's called. But yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I don't, t- I don't the, table, the table didn't. Uh, the table did not collapse, <laughs> and then uh, he very alertly pushed, turned the table over on top of Riddle, and that was the end of the show. What the hell's the name of Solo Sokoa's finisher, Kenny? We should be able to remember this. I am trying to find... Well, no, it's, I, I've just looked it up here. It's just written down as Sokoa Urinagi. So I, I don't know what the name... I don't think it has... To be fair, because do. I, don't, I don't think it has this like epic name that we are supposed to remember. Okay, I'm sure it if it If it does, I will retract that. Is it not the spinning solo? It's, it's very difficult, because sometimes I tune the commentary out for, for my sanity. So, right. Okay. Um, okay. Simone, Simone Spike is obviously in my brain, but the okay. Uranagi, I, I just don't have the answer for you. Okay. All right. I'll try and Google it while we're talking. He did that on the table, and the table didn't break. He shoved the table over onto uh, onto Riddle, and that was the, the end of the show. Yeah. The end. Yeah. So it was a pretty good finish to the show. Um. And was there anything else on SmackDown that we should be talking about? Shinsuke and I, uh, sorry, uh, Cameron. Uh, Cameron. Harry and Cross once. Shinsuke Nakamura. I mean, oh my god! Yeah, I mean, after the match, we went to Scala, and she was doing the tarot cards, and one of them had a photo of Shinsuke Nakamura on it. I mean, I don't feel sorry for either of them because I'm just that's a match that that's a match that belongs in main event. I'll tell you that. Yes, it is. Uh, Last thing about SmackDown, I wanted to give a mention to. I really enjoyed the the Damian Priest Santos Escobar match and post-match angle where Ray ran out to, you know, trade shots with Dom um, and try to give him the 619, but, you know, the d- Judgment Day got that dodge. Like, this this storyline is just so much fun. I like that they've now got the the Puerto Rican members of the LWO have the different colours on their LWO shirts as to the Mexican contingent of the, the group. I think that's a, a nice nod to their heritage. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed that. I thought it was pretty good. Um, should we move on to Raw, then? No, I, I'm with you, Kenny. Dominic Mysterio, uh, Damian Priest, they were out. As Rhea Ripley was there. Uh, we saw the choke slam uh, by uh, Priest onto Bad Bunny through the table after Mania. Um, and that led to the Priest versus Santos Escobar match. And there was lots of commotion at ringside here. And fans were really into this match. You know, if I was... Santos Escobar, I would take I would take an, a lot of heart from this. This must have been a very uplifting experience that the audience were actually with him here. He's something about him. He's just not... It takes a while for this guy to get over. 
and he's not really a likable guy and he's the sort of person that needs a lot of help from the booking committee to get over anywhere, or at least in the States. And that was certainly true of NXT and I think it's been true here on the main roster. Uh, but I thought it was a really good match between these two and fans were, were so into it. Rey Mysterio came out and he saved Escobar from a post-match attack and ran off the Judgment Day. Um, Zelina Vega also sent Rhea Ripley flying. So there was a lot of things were furthered here. And I think um, Legado must be really pleased that they're now associated with Rey Mysterio because not that they've ever really been over in WWE, but this is the hottest they've been in WWE so far. Um, So this is obviously a massive improvement on uh, feuding with Hit Row. I think we can all agree on that. (laughs) Who knew that would be the case? You know, who could have predicted that? Mystic Meg couldn't have got that one. Um, And by the way, Kenny, I just looked up Solo Sokoa's video, and it is the spinning solo. I thought it was. Well, there you go. There you go. It's the spinning. I've I've never heard it being called that, but mainly because I just, you know, Kevin Patrick's hard to listen to on Raw. With Michael Cole, I don't have an excuse. I should be listening to Michael Cole a bit more often. Yes. Um, Let's move on to Raw. We've got more of the build. We'll be more build with the bloodline with Riddle, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, but it took a turn because basically Paul Heyman tells us that the Judgment Day and the bloodline have made an agreement. There's a temporary deal that's been struck by Roman Reigns for the Judgment Day to help them with their business and they'll help the Judgment Day with their business. And um, that involved basically Solo Sokoa having the match with Rey Mysterio, which as you mentioned earlier, he was victorious in. Yeah, the crowd were so into this match with the LWO there, with the Usos. We had you know shenanigans, fights on the outside, um, and then you know then we had Heyman kind of telling you know the Judgment Day, well, you know we've done our our job. How do you feel about it? Finn Balor's exact word was yeah, and that kind of provoked a bit of comedy, um, and then they had to return the favor in the main event where we had Balor, Priest and Dom against Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn and Matt Riddle. Again, lots of action going on. Uh, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn and Matt Riddle got the win and then post-match we got a massive fight with all of them and the baby faces stood tall. So they, they actually managed to kind of amalgamate these two different feuds on on the same show. Did you did it work for you? Did you think that was a clever way to kind of uh, merge the two and make them both feel bigger? It did do eventually, but I thought actually Paul Heyman um, in his opening promo when he was explaining this bloodline judgment day pact, he, he kind of lost me there. I don't know. I mean, he's not somebody that you know gets lost on his promos, but he ended up losing me as a, as a viewer. I was kind of <laughs> bored. He was just like, I said, God, we get to the point. I was just almost wishing Jerry Lawler was there on commentary. I just say it because he would have like said, God, I wish Paul Heyman had hurried this thing up. (laughs) (laughs) Never liked them, never liked each other since the, you know, the Memphis incident back in the day. Um, So, uh, yeah, it did work in the end. But I thought Heyman was just like, he was even getting what? They were even chatting what at him at one point. It's like that never happens to Heyman. So, yeah, the camera work was really good where we had the Judgment Day and the Bloodline squaring off. And uh, we had these, uh, comments as well that Solo was still, you know, in favour with the Tribal Chief, but Jimmy and Jay were not. And that was uh, a point also that was made late. Actually, no, it was made on, was he made on SmackDown? I think it was, wasn't it? He brought, when Heyman mentioned that there would be the tag team title rematch. Yeah, he mentioned that right before the main event with uh, yeah. Riddle and Sakura. Yeah, and he said, well, and by the way, you know, the title, the title will change hands. I can't remember what he actually what what wording he used was because you know the tribal chief you know is getting really sick of two people and he looked at Jimmy and Jay when he said it so that could have been you know that's an ambiguous statement it's like you know is he getting annoyed with Zayn and Owens or is he annoyed with Jimmy and Jay and there was a nice little moment there where Heyman was floating the idea that Jimmy and Jay were still very much in the bad books with the bloodline for losing the belts and they had better win these belts. Otherwise they're going to be even hotter water with the tribal chief. So that was something that was brought up. Um, so yeah, I, I enjoyed this, you know, mixing and matching here with, with these different factions and. Um, it also and could lead to that- some fun. It could lead to some fun stuff down the line with, you know, Roman Reigns being the one who's orchestrating this, but then, you know, what if Damien Priest isn't too happy that Roman Reigns is 
call in the shots, you know, that could maybe lead to some interesting TV stuff to keep us going in between big pay-per-views. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, I mean, it's it, the thing is, Roman Reigns is so is presented as utterly invincible, so it's hard to believe that someone like Damian Priest would would even receive a, a title match with Roman Reigns, let alone defeat him. But if the storytelling is good enough and there's enough support for it, who cares if it's a fun TV match or even, I can't imagine it'd be a premium live event match, but if it's a fun TV match, then, you know, that's achieved its objective, isn't it? Which is entertaining us and progressing the story. Um, but yeah, this was this was something that was very unexpected. And, it, and once Heyman actually got to his point, you know, and, and speeded it up a bit, I thought it worked really well, and uh, yeah, I thought the main event worked well, and there was some good interaction backstage. I thought Raw this week just sped by for a three-hour show. Just remember, I don't know when it was, maybe 2019, I thought, or maybe 2018. I can't remember which year it was. 2019 and also 2014, late 2014. There were a couple of periods but it was very, very hard to get through. The third hour was just brutal, and you were just – it just – it was as if they just didn't care about the first 40 minutes of hour three. And they put some creative energy into the main event segment or the main event match. But I mean, the rest of hour three was just this. It was almost like they wanted US. It was almost as if they were just like, we don't want to do a three hour show anymore. We're not going to make that call, but we're <laughs> just going to give them this dog of a TV show in the third hour so that they basically like reduce the length of this show back to two hours you know we're not going to do it because our shareholders are go crazy but if it's forced upon us then yeah we'll accept that and what a result <laughs> back to two hours and it almost felt like some sort of inside job didn't it to just sabotage raw and i remember we we were recording well this was before the pandemic and it was 2019 and it was just a week after week and i think maybe about one in Four or one in five episodes were good. That's you being kind. Probably wasn't even that often, was it? <laughs> no. but, I mean, in contrast, this show, I just thought the pacing was so good. There was things happening all the time. There Setting was some, things up. Yes, exactly. There was pleasant surprises on this show, like the Miz versus Seth Rollins match. I mean, where did that come from? That was, like, really good, wasn't it? I think when you're a pro who lets Snoop Dogg slap the piss out of you, then you, you get things. Um, but listen, I need I do need to ask you about something because last week you were very vocal on this podcast on what's going down about the Trish Stratus heel turn. Yes. Obviously this week she did her promo, her kind of mission statement of why she turned heel. Um, the floor is yours. Is, are there kinder words for Trish this week or are there still boots to be put in to Miss Stratisfaction? What did you make of her uh, promo here? Yeah, I've got to give Trish a lot of credit for this promo. I thought she did well. Um, she came out looking glammed up, um, you know, looking looking like she was just back to the Trish of old. Um, How did she... St- I mean, she looks incredible. Like, incredible. I don't know how she... I mean, yeah, she just looks great. So fair play to her for being able to keep it going. And, you know, can you feel these photos of her from back in the day, don't you? Those kind of... Because this outfit, they put it with like her early heat appearance in 2000 where yeah. she had the hat and the and the coat and she yes. doesn't look massively dissimilar 23 no. years later no not that dissimilar she does look slightly different though doesn't she because yeah. you know her face looks different now and that's not old age um and she's still a lot younger than me i like to point out yeah <laughs> we're, we're, we're not going to put up 20 year apart photos of us we'll leave that to trish <laughs> she can do that instead so she said that she'd single-handedly saved women's wrestling. No one cared about it before she came in and changed everything. She was a trailblazer. Trish said that Becky Lynch was a joke. Trish said that Lynch never thanked her for paving the roads for her to become a star into main event WrestleMania. Uh, Stratus, Re- Stratus revealed that she was the one who had attacked Lita last week. Um, and she did so because she wanted to... Uh, be Lita's substitute in the match so she could then screw Lynch over and, you know, drop the belts. Trish said that she's no sidekick. She's the greatest ever. She's like the most important person in the history of the company. Um, I, yeah, I thought she did a really good job on the promo. Um, and um, the audience booed her at the right points. 
And there was a lot for her to memorize here. And I thought she did a really good job delivering it. Got the right inflections, wrote the right response. No Becky Lynch on the show. So maybe that report that this match has been saved for SummerSlam is accurate, Kenny. Maybe they're going to delay it to Len. I'm not sure. It seems like a long time for us to wait for that match. Yeah, because the beating wasn't exactly brutal. <laughs> it's not one that you need to sell for like a no. month. Um, exactly. <laughs> you know, but, um, I, you know, because I think there were reports of that during this promo, there was some piped in booze because she was getting a bit of the what treatment live in the arena. But I think the problem for Trish was, it was a, I thought it was a really good promo. I thought the reasoning was great. I mean, yeah, you can kind of, as always with wrestling, you can kind of go, well, she was really turning on her. Then why did she wrestle the whole match? But, you know, it's wrestling. You can't really go too far into it with that. But, I think if this had been like a backstage thing and she was sitting down with someone, she could have probably delivered it even better. But for someone who's not done this for a long time, I thought she nailed the delivery of it. The fact that she kind of did, you know, the pipe bomb bit at the end to drop the mic. I thought she she did really well. And actually after this, like if she can do it in the ring, and that's obviously an if after last week, but I wouldn't be adverse to Trish being the one who takes the belt from Bianca Belair and give us Trish and Becky for the belt, if Trish can get to the level where she can, you know, do some matches that would be up on that kind of tier. She probably needs to do house shows to, to get to that point. I don't know if she's willing to do that, but um, I think that this is now the most interesting women's story they've got um, going on. So, yeah, I think Trish did really well. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, I like the idea of that, her going into the match as champion. Because then you've got that built-in stories like Becky Lynch is like, well, you cost me those tag team belts. I'm going to cost you your that tag that championship that you hold so dear. I'm going to show you who the man is. I'm going to show you who the real revolutionary is, and blah blah blah. And um, yeah, I mean, it's but yeah, you're right. She needs to deliver in the ring, and that's the question mark here. And she hasn't done that. She didn't do that at any point this year, as far as I'm concerned. I thought she looked really weak in the ring. And um, as a heel, I mean, she did do well as a heel. Remember that 2005 run she had? She did really well, yeah. That was when she really started to... I mean, I know she. we reviewed WrestleMania 19 last month, and that match she was in, the three-way match with Victoria. Was it Jazz? It was Jazz, Jazz, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And that was a lot better than I remembered. Um. But to me, the the year in which she really became a star in her own right and somebody who was a really credible all-round performer was 2005 when she had that heel run. That's when I really started to take note of Trish as a, as a, you know, a real force as a performer rather than somebody who was mostly getting by on her looks. I know, as I just said, she did have some good matches, but also a lot of matches that weren't that good. And the consistency that she brought in 2005 really, you know, made her stand out as a, a really dependable sort of upper mid-level performer at that point. So as a heel, if she can go back to that sort of level again and she can bring it in the ring. I mean, there's that famous match with Molina, wasn't there? Yes, Survivor Series 2005. Yeah, I'm not sure. Was it that one or was it a TV match they had? They had a match anyway, and it was Molina's best match of her entire run in (laughs) WWE. And you're like, wow, that match was so good. How good was that match? And you're like, well, it's because Trish is now a really capable performer in the ring. And they were able to put together a very professional looking match with no hesitancy or mistiming or those sort of moments that we see so often in lots of women's matches to this day. Um, it's funny because I, I was actually um, we were we were watching earlier a, an interview with Trish that was on YouTube which kind of popped up in recommendations with the guy from Ring the Bell who, who interviews all the divas and they were showing clips from Trish's heel running I mean there was some stuff that she'd come up with that was really funny like there was a you remember when there was the wedding Lita's wedding to Kane that she didn't want to get married and oh Trish, yeah and Trish comes out as a heel and she says to Lita in the ring open your heart the way you've opened your legs and it's like stuff that was just you know, she really committed to being a heel and to not wanting to be liked by people. And I think if she's yeah. able to just delve into that again, because um, when she turned when she turned back in 2004, I mean, she she was so good in that role. Um, and it's because before she'd just been playing that kind of smiley baby face and, 
Yeah, you know, she did have a bit of fire to her as a baby face, but it was when she was a heel that was when she did her best stuff. So I'm hopeful that um she can bring back some of that. And you know, she she definitely brought it here. So definitely, I, I I think in the ring, she she stuff last week in that tag match just looks so weak, and then there needs to be like it's understanding like listen, you're going to need to lay those shots in so it looks believable. And, um, you know, that's that to me was the great weakness. Obviously, she got lost and the match was a total shambles. But I just feel like Trish in the ring just doesn't seem like a powerful performer, like someone who's believable when she's laying stuff in. And, um, you know, that's I think what she's going to have to really bring it against Lynch. And after that heel turn, we need some sort of more heat angles, I think, where Trish is really being villainous and really going for it and really trying to make people hate her. Because at SummerSlam, if indeed that is where the Stratus versus Lynch match takes place, there'll be a lot of nostalgia fans there, won't there? Yeah. Who will who will actually like her more than Becky Lynch. So she's really going to need to heal it up. Yeah, 100%. Uh, we'll just a couple more things before we go from Raw, because there was a lot of stuff. Uh, Cody Rhodes um, obviously wanted to fight Brock Lesnar. He was beating up security. Brock's there just standing in a big raincoat and uh, a hat and laughs and leaves. Best gig in wrestling, Finn. <laughs> this is Brock Lesnar. Just turn up. I mean, if you were to add up, right, how much money they paid to fly him yeah. from Canada to Little Rock, Arkansas... The amount of money pro rata of his yearly deal that he got paid to do this appearance, I'm very curious what that number would be. I'm sure he was. I'm sure the whole cost of getting him here and doing this was probably like half a million dollars or something. <laughs> it's probably something insane, and all he had to do was walk out, laugh, and leave. Yeah, that was so, it. And it was Cody and the security guards. Yeah, and the security guards were. I mean, those security guards were taking a beating from Cody Rhodes. When they tried to, because Adam Pearce said to Cody, right, I'll give you the match, but you're not medically cleared to face Brock Lesnar tonight. And that was why security uh, surrounded Cody and tried to prevent him from, in the storyline, tried to prevent him from getting to Brock Lesnar. And Cody ended up beating up a load of them in the ring. And then once he got past uh, those security people, then another like wave of people that suddenly appeared and prevented him from grabbing Brock Lesnar. Lesnar, as you said, just laughed and left. <laughs> and Cody went back to the ring and continued beating people up. But you're right, yeah, this was yeah, the best gig in wrestling for Lesnar. Um, feels like a bit, feels like the Cody Brock match feels like a big match for uh, Backlash. And yes. I think they've, they've, they've done a good job building it. Um, and yeah, that, that was kind of the, the main stuff from Raw. Is there anything else you want to give a brief shout out to before we wrap it up? Yeah, just want to mention that uh, Bobby Lashley versus Austin Theory, uh, the match ended when Bronson Reed ran in as Lashley held Theory in the hurt lock and Bronson Reed beat down Bobby Lashley and did not blow up. He climbed <laughs> to the top turnbuckle, nailed Lashley with a tsunami. Reed looked really powerful. You know, he wasn't out of breath at all. The audience were booing him. Uh, the announcers were suitably outraged, and uh, presumably this will lead to a Bronson Reed versus Bobby Lashley matchup backlash. Indeed. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to that. I think that's going to be good. Um, they're building a lot of stuff, and we've got the return of Bad Bunny next week as well, which will no doubt give us an indication of maybe it'll be a six man tag. Maybe it'll be Finn, Damian, and Dominic against Ray, Bat Bunny, and Santos Escobar. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. Wouldn't be, the, wouldn't, wouldn't be the worst thing for Escobar to get a little, you know, get a rub in that match, you know, because we assume they're kind of going to be around anyway. But uh, oh, yeah. the last thing I want to give a shout out to is I thought that Solo Sokoa and Rhea Ripley in the opening segment who wouldn't take their eyes off each other was fantastic. Just really strong story stuff because they're the two kind of almost bodyguards of their factions. And yes. they, were not, they were not for one second taking their eyes off of each other. So... Um, but yeah, a, a pretty eventful week overall. And um, you know, by the time we talk on Thursday, I'm sure there'll be more. There didn't seem to be a lot of Vince McMahon fingerprints over this episode, which is good. No, so no, this did not seem like a Vince episode at all. I mean, almost everything on here would just flowed really well, uh, like seamlessly. And we had the show long storylines, and yeah. like 
all the nearly all the matches were given plenty of time. Um, odd man out at the moment, ironically, is Austin Theory. He's not really doing anything, is he? Yeah, he is the odd man out for sure. Um, I will oh, say he, if, needs if, a new, he needs a new opponent. They need to sort. I mean, maybe they're waiting until after the draft. Maybe he's yeah, moving the back down. Maybe that's the reason. Um, I mean, if, if Vince booked anything on this show, probably the Street Profits, Rick Boogs, Elias, and Baron Corbin, and Akira Tazawa. That's that's a Vince segment if I've ever seen one. But, um, I, but, that, but that was really funny, wasn't it? With Tazawa like saying to Baron Corbin that he sucks. I mean, that was just hilarious. <laughs> wasn't it? It was and it was really like it was a nice little blinking. It was it did not overstay its welcome. Um, you know, there was no toilet humor in it. Um, and it was just to push the draft, wasn't it? Yeah. So I mean, you know, even even that, which you know. Before would have probably been way more drawn out and annoying. Uh, it was yeah. fine. So anyway, um, that's all the time we've got for now. Should mention the next edition of Inside the Ropes magazine is up for pre-order issue thirty-two. Roman Reigns and Cody on the cover. It's, there's so much in this issue. There's AEW heading to Wembley. There's Vince selling WWE. There's heel turns. There's uh, so much stuff in there. Um, the uh, and obviously the WrestleMania coverage as well. There's uh, yes. loads of stuff to to for people to sink their teeth into. Then exactly, there's my little news item on King and Queen of the Ring. Yep, which <laughs> <laughs> which is now utterly useless. <laughs> but then in the next issue, you really? can see in the next issue you can well, hopefully by the time we go to print for the next one for issue thirty three, we'll figure out why they've changed it, and you can. You know, report on why they've changed it. There is not, there is no, nothing so far as to why they've changed it from anywhere, which is bizarre. Yes. But, um. I mean, Penny, I've spent enough time complaining about it. There you go. Uh, well, listen. Uh, well, thank you for all your support. Patreon is the best way you can hear more of us. Um, because I think I actually think it's next week that we'll be recording Backlash two thousand and three. Yes, because we'll be around that time. So, uh, daily content goes up. Whether it's you know articles from Finn, the Q and A before you get to see it, in the mag goes up on Patreon. Uh, you get an exclusive "What else is going down?" column where Finn gives you some of his thoughts and opinions on the wrestling world. We do an overrun. We should, do... should mention actually the last one I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say about eighty percent of that was all original, like as in, well, it's all original when I write it, but then some of it ends up in the magazine subsequent to after I've written it because it's obviously news and you know the important news has to go in the magazine as well but there's a, most of the last column didn't actually appear in the magazine subsequent to its you know the publication of what else is going down it was all nearly all original content original observations because so much had happened after I wrote that that seemed more important for publication in the magazine. So it's yeah. you know, it's not just regurgitated stuff. It's it's a brand new column that I come up with each month. Yeah, and it's and it's well worth checking out. Um, you know, because sometimes sometimes Finn throws a wee compliment to AEW and what else is going down. You wouldn't believe it, but it does happen <laughs> every single month. So, you know, he has to sit there and think, oh God, what can I say? It's nice. Um, but no, no it's, in all seriousness, it's, it's a, a fun column and it's worth a read every single month. So patreon.com forward slash Inside the Ropes. You've got Sondra and I doing retro podcasts. We cover AEW every week. So there's loads, um, I think, that is worth the price that we uh, charge and it keeps the lights on. So we hope that you give us a shot. But um, Finn, I look forward to chatting to you on Thursday when no doubt things will have happened again. There'll be more news. There'll be lots going on. There always is. Oh, of course, there always is. I mean... You know, I'm mean, hey, you know what? I watched T- uh, Impact Wrestling's Rebellion pay per view. Probably no one will be interested in my comments on that, but maybe I'll do a short item on Rebellion. There you go. Yeah, short, short, short item on Rebellion. No, I, I mean, I, I did hear good. I did hear good things um, about it online. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was a bit of a slow starter, but uh, really picked up. And anyway, we'll talk about that on Thursday. Okay, well, listen, uh, thank you so much for your support, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.